Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. There is a place where time stands still, where nature is harsh and demanding, where only the quick and the strong and the deadly can survive. This place is no place for civilized man. Good morning, my friends who are listening on 3CR. This is Annie for Showreel, and today we're actually going to speak to a uh, director, writer-director, who's just written and directed a film called Red Billabong, which sort of feeds straight into the introduction that we have on Showreel, which is a a, a, a montage, really, of uh, a whole lot of pieces from a different Australian films in the background and uh, people's view of Australia as being a haunted and scary place. Hello, Luke. How are you? Not bad. How are you? Good. So uh, your film Red Billabong really does tap into the uh, freakouts and scares and the uh, stories about uh, coming out of the Australian landscape, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's something that I was trying to weave in there, that's for sure. So tell us about... uh, well, tell us about why, because actually uh, horror genre films, well, I don't know if it's a horror, it's a horror mystery. What what would you call it? Uh, I probably would call it like an action thriller or adventure. Yeah. It's a really hard, it's a really hard one to sort of pin down because it crosses over to a lot of different genres. Yeah, it does. It does, and uh, but it does have a certain element of mystery, and because uh, it's got a beast in it, it's got a beast. Yeah. Yeah, it's got you know one of Australia's oldest beasts in it. So yeah. Did you pinpoint uh, a Billabong? Oh, well, someone asked me to ask you. Did you were you influenced by the uh, notions that uh, come out of Walsing Matilda, for example? Um, it's a very interesting question, and it, it crossed my mind during it. Actually, one of the very my, oh, if, if I had more budget, one of the very first teaser trailers I wanted to do was having uh, a song like Walsing Matilda or one of John Williams' sort of songs and then going and turning that into like a more creepy version as it gets closer to the water. And yeah, that didn't happen, but it had crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because it does. And and uh, that's so you actually tap straight into sort of a notion of fear and loathing that uh, underpins uh, Europeans' connection to uh, the Australian landscape, as well as yeah. uh, the connection to Indigenous uh, uh, connection to land. Yeah, yeah, and that's something that, yeah, well, once I sort of found or remembered this particular, you know, uh, mythological beast, uh, yeah, that's correct. It's exactly right. I wanted to tap into both the, the, the white European settlers' version of it and also the actual 
you know, Indigenous version of it, which I found fascinating. Did uh, you've had an interesting? Um, before we go further into Red Billabong, you tell us a little bit about your initiation into filmmaking. Um, well, I've always been yeah, it's been an interesting road, a bit of a different road for someone to go down. I've always had a huge fascination with films. I love them dearly. Uh, our family started well, back in the nineties, and that we uh, the eighties we started. Uh, the largest, one of the largest costume houses here in Australia. My, my father had been collecting costumes and military memorabilia for a long time, and we opened up, uh, you know, a costume prop house for the industry. Uh, so, as a family business, I've been helping grow that since I went straight from high school into that, and then onto my first big uh, film in 2002, uh, um, up here in Queensland with big Hollywood actors and all that kind of stuff, and then working in it, doing costumes and props and advising ever since. In the meantime, while I was on those big film sets, I was using it as a big apprenticeship to, you know, make connections and just be there and just learn, being on set and just watching and learning how it all goes. And in the meantime, writing my own screenplays in the background so I could move forward to direct my own film. Oh, that's fantastic. That's really interesting to come from that yeah. point of, you know, that connection from, well, because uh, costumes and your father, you know, he must have sort of been living a, you know, larger than life imaginative world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've always had a bit of a vivid imagination. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> well, it, it's actually one thing to want to do something like that uh, to actually achieving it. Uh, so mm. you, did you make a couple of shorts or did you do anything? Because this is actually quite um, a well-achieved film. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, look, in the background, I made some short films. I'll, I'll never show anyone because they were terrible. Um, that's what happens, you know, when you when you try to do things, uh, when you as you're you know getting better in that. Um, what I did do is, I guess, one or two music clips. that didn't do didn't really go anywhere, but I did a uh, two part uh, sort of documentary for the History Channel uh, two years ago around Anzac Day about World War One and World War Two um, sort of a family connection, where the families of today talk about their past families and. Well, more of a um, family point of view documentary and that got shown on the History Channel. While we were doing that, I had this script wanting to go, so I invited out a bunch of producers and high net, high net worth investors to that set and sort of said, look, here's a physical concept, here I am on a film set. Luckily, we had all the costumes and props from our own collection, so we had a whole camp with tents and trucks and jeeps and all that kind of stuff, about 50 extras, so it looked nice and big. And I said, look, this is who I am, this is what I can do. And they basically signed off on the first half of Rebillabon finance for me right there and there. So that was obviously, you know, one way to do it. You're a clever fella. Yeah. <laughs> That's really yeah, good. And then, and then, yeah, and then after that was just you know, making proof of concepts for Rebillabon and showing more investors and more investors. It was all privately financed in the end. No, no screen bodies and no government agencies wanted to help. Uh, so it was all privately financed. So it was a huge, not only doing the vision, but also working out budget deals and everything else with investors while I was working on it was yeah, a huge uh, task, so, I would say. So, yeah, um, there's a couple of questions I want to ask you there. How long did it take you to uh, from the beginning to the end to make this film? Uh, I started writing it in 2007. Yeah, right. Um, while I was working on a, a couple of shows. And then uh, I got offered to work on... A big Australian movie in sort of 2013 or 14. Got offered a big, or a big, a big Australian movie, a big Australian war movie. I won't mention the name out already. Um, and it would have been obviously good to work on, um, but it was doing the same thing I've done for the last, you know, since I was high school. 
uh, and I had some, some of these investors and some of these uh, that documentary in the wings as well that I was doing. So I had to sort of make a choice whether I go keep going down the road I was going or keep going this. So I made the choice to go with this. Um, and then uh, from then on was just, yeah, every day I had to like basically uh, – I have a huge movie memorabilia collection as well from Star Wars to Star Trek to all these different movie – I sold all that to back myself, which is very hard to do. Yeah. Um, and then was just working every day on uh, on this, re- re- rewriting the script, getting new investors. Once it all started to snowball, once you're on set and you're doing it, we had to take a little break in between shooting to go and actually get more investors, which was hard. But then I, by then I already had three weeks worth of footage. So I could sit down and go, well, here's, here's how it looks. And then people like, oh, okay, we get that now. Um, so, yeah, it was a very different way to make a movie. But as a first-time filmmaker, I think anyone in my position has to use what they have to their advantage to get it across the line and hope that, hope the second one will be a bit easier. Yeah, yeah. Now, the other question I wanted to ask you, I suppose in a way you've given me some clues to this, it's a genre film. And uh, I was just watching something on Channel 31 just the other day, someone who makes uh, horror films, Australian fellow, and he was saying at the time that he was really keen to do that, everybody poo-pooed him, and it wasn't until he went off to somewhere like LA that he he found a community where making you know horror movies wasn't considered to be beyond the pale. Have you had any reactions of that nature? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you probably had some clues in what he said, but yeah, um, they still, unfortunately, the people who control the, uh, you know, the, the government finance and uh, even the cinemas themselves, yeah, they still have a uh, bit of a stigma with Australian genre films, whether it's horror, whether it's even action or sci-fi. Uh, there's been some good sci-fi films come out of Australia recently, but they have And really zombie films too. Yeah, they haven't really. All those ones haven't. They've had to really fight to do, to get to be shown, um, and it's what we've had to do as well uh, to really fight. So it's a kind of an annoying situation. And yeah, I keep hearing like I've been to LA twice this year, showing off different versions of the film. And yeah, over there it is a whole different, whole different feel. Uh, and you know, I don't want to be one of those people that just goes to Hollywood. I really would like to stay in Australia and keep making Australian films for Australian audiences. It's just, yeah, unfortunately, people that control the strings uh, make it very, very hard. Yeah, I'll just tell our audience that they're listening to 3CR Showreel, and we're talking to Luke Sparks, who his film Red Bullabong has opened uh, this month, and uh, it's be screening around the place, so you get a chance, go and have a look at it. And it is a... Uh, as you say, it's an adventure thriller, uh, but it's got a monster in it, which is really unusual for an Australian film. Now, one of the things I wanted to get uh, to ask you about was how beautifully it's shot. It's beautifully shot. It gives you a really nice... That opening sequence going into the place, I, for a while there I lived in the bush and I just thought, oh, my God, I really need to go back to the bush for a while. It, it's really quite palpable. It's, it's wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I mean, we had a great uh, cinematographer called Andrew Fonda, um, who, again, isn't isn't huge, but I, get, I, I try to pick people that are on their way up, who are hungry to do something different. Um, so that's how I always go into it, whether it's cast or cinematographers or crew even. Uh, so Andy and I sat down and, um, you know, the, that sequence was there in the original script and that's basically shot for shot of how I wanted it. I storyboarded a lot of out, out with Andy and then gave it to him. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was just... I think it's just trying to tap. I said straight off that I wanted to tap into the Australianness of it through like soundtrack or through cinematography, 
but not through the acting because I think that even nowadays there's a, a lot of Australian films still try to play up that Aussie Bogan speaking voice that they do um, and it's not 1970 anymore so I, I don't talk like that my friends don't talk like that so I tried to make sure that the actors didn't have that Australian this is very Australian but not that really Aussie Bogan sort of speaking voice um, and just get it through the, the the images and I think Andy achieved that which is great. I think you did too. I think it's lovely. In fact, it's all the way through. It's it's uh, very steady, very strong in that. And I was really taken by the choice of uh, songs that you chose uh, at that beginning sequence as well. Really uh, well-known, uh, left-of-centre Australian songs. Yeah, the, the songs. Yeah, the songs. Really yeah. lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, I've been there. I've always... I don't know, I drive around all day in the car doing location scouts and I'm just listening to the radio and I just pick out different songs and I'm like, I'm going to use that in that particular spot. Uh, again, it's just, you know, I guess it's just one of those things that you just take out of Lindsay and just think, oh, that's just connects with me. And I think, yeah, it's, yeah they're, they're, very, they're very strong songs. Yeah, well, they were different yeah. sort of choices and I think that people will relate to them in a way that is actually quite Australian, but aren't normally chosen you know i think i think if it was put to a uh, an audience vote they'd say that that reminds them of australia it's a bit like how paul yeah. kelly reminds people of australia yeah i had actually had feedback yeah just yesterday from someone that saw it and said uh it it reminds it it feels homely the movie kind of feels homely because it feels like australia and i was like well that, that, that that's good yeah, yeah. Well, you've got you get some good um, acting out of people as well. You you've got some good people in there. Tell us about your choices yeah. of actors. Yeah, well, I mean, some of them I'd known from other jobs that worked on in the industry, and some people like Dan Ewing, I had to and Tim Pocock, who played the the, the lead brothers. Um, I knew I had to find people that you know that are semi well known enough to have a bit of a fan base themselves. So Dan has his Home and Away fans, and Tim has. Dance Academy and X-Men Wolverine that he was in. Um, so they obviously helped a lot, um, you know, to bring in fans for the film, which is great. But character-wise, you, know, you can have the best special effects in the world having a monster movie, but I really wanted to make sure that the characters were relatable. And as you know from watching it, it does sort of a little bit go off a bit left of centre that you think it's going to be a traditional monster movie where people are getting picked off one by one that turns into something different. Um, so to bring the characters out, I really wanted to make sure that the characters were front and centre, that you kind of at least had a little bit of an arc throughout a monster action movie arc where each character kind of gets their moment to do something and you can sort of see a bit of progression, even though it's not a character piece, just at least something there so people can walk out and go, ah, oh, that was good, that was good. Now, it's interesting because, uh, like you said, you've never made a, a feature film before, but uh, all of that action and all the way the characters relate to each other and all the rest of it, they, that actually works really quite well. Um, mm. Yeah, so yeah. tell me about your process. Because, I mean, it could have worked out uh, really badly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it, it comes down to a lot of luck sometimes. Um, but like, like I said, to really make the characters is work is what something I was focused on from the start. Um, I had the script written. I sort of looked at a lot in in LA, and a lot of you know a lot of LA writers wanted me to go down the traditional cliche route of you know killing off our Aboriginal character and having the the white character be the one to face the creature at the end. And I was like, no, 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 that's that's terrible. That's that's just not going to work. So I sort of have to have my own mind. You have to have your own mind when you're doing these sort of things. Um, and I just wanted to have just those arc, archetype 
those characters where you have like the, the comedy relief is a bit of a douchebag and, and, the, and the brothers being the main linchpin of the movie and then the, you know, the girls all have their own thing to do. I just wanted, again, just I just go back to the script a lot and just made sure they did a rewrite saying, okay, let's focus on the character of Kate for a second and just make sure she has something to do in each particular scenario and then go back and do that. And then when you cast the characters, I cast them all myself because the budget didn't allow for a casting director. So I brought them all in, sat down and just talked to them. Um, I guess sometimes being on set so much throughout my life or just loving films so much, I feel like I have a good eye for particular people. I can sort of look at someone and go, oh, you've got a bit of a Sigourney Weaver look or you've got a bit of a January Jones look. And just talking to them and relating to them, I just knew these were the characters, the people that could bring these characters to life. And then I really just uh, let a lot of it was ad-libbing. I sort of let them do their scene as per script and then took them aside and said, okay, this time go back in and just how about you say this, how about you say whatever you feel like, just just run with it, make a choice, a bold choice and see what happens. Um, so a lot of it was just letting the, the actors really work on their own characters without me jamming my dialogue down their throat, which I think worked a lot better. Oh, really? So uh, when you were doing the edits, um, how much of that sort of more relaxed ad-libbing type of element uh, got in there? A lot, a lot. Again, because you know, I've been controlling this, not that the same I'm a micromanager, but I've been controlling the entire show. So once I finished shooting, it was straight to the edit, and I sat there every day. Editing is my favourite part of the whole process. I really love editing. Um, so we sat there a lot, um, and basically all the the ones you see are basically the the ones that we uh, yeah we definitely workshops and had lived on the day. There was a lot of that got in. Uh, there was some that was a bit too far, uh, but a, a lot of it was the character of BJ. Um, a lot of his lines were ones that me and Ben, the, the actor, stood aside quickly and said, just rattled off to each other, just funny little lines. And then we came, we're like, yep, that's the one, we we'll go back and say that. And uh, they're the ones that sort of made it in. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of character moments in there that I really laugh at that no one else laughs at, but I think it's because I know the character so well and I just like some of the more obscure parts that someone might make a little funny voice or someone might you know, have a little smirk and I kind of know that, remember the day of when we did that and it's just, you'd start taking out those little character moments and then the characters become very flat. So I, we always said that if you can laugh at the characters then the audience might feel something with the characters rather than just sitting there watching a, a screen and not having any connection. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And that's actually quite similar to editing for uh, radio because, you know, having someone's personality come through through their voices is the best. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, that's something, that, that's something that we were always very focused on all the way through. Now, the, uh, there's another thing about the actors. There's a couple of incredibly uh, experienced actors that you've got in there. That guy, I can't remember his name, which is a bad thing. I should have researched this. But the guy that uh, plays the um, uh, um, military man who's the logistics. American, yep. Yeah, who, yep. he's not American, though. He's an Australian actor who was in... Um, ah. That's right, isn't it? He's not American, is he? Really? Yeah, yeah. He 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 plays the American in, in this movie. Yeah, he, he plays the American in this yeah. movie, but he was yeah. actually Felix, and he was. Felix yeah, that's right. Now he's a very experienced actor, and I've watched. He was in mm. The Tracker, and uh, he's been in a mm. lot of really important Australian oh, films. Oh yeah, he, he has a resume. Yeah, he has a resume as long as my arm. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And he and I follow him because he's a, he's actually a very good actor, and in fact he was mm. in. Um, uh, he, oh, yeah, anyway, by the by, uh, the point is that um, you've got uh, some uh, fledgling actors, you've got some mid-range experienced actors, and then you've got very experienced actors. How did that all work? 
Uh, it works well, and that's again, again, pretty much what you just said there is exactly what I was trying to go for. Uh, you know, uh, when I wrote that character, um, I wrote it with Felix in mind, actually, because I'm a huge fan of Felix as well. He's one of those guys, like you just said, you know him when you see him, but you might not know his name, unfortunately. Um, so I went to him straight up after I cast some of the other roles and said, look, you are the person I want to be this role. Would you do it? And he wrote back and he's like, look, I love it. Bit of fun. It's awesome. I was like, great. He came up with the idea of being American. He ran me up one day and he's like, how do you think you'd be if you're American? And I'm like, that's fine by me, whatever, whatever you want. So the whole time we were shooting, he was talking in American. Like from the first time I met him till the very last day, he was always American. I didn't hear anything else. And then the very last day, he comes up to me after having a shower and says, all right, mate, see you later. Thanks to you. And I was like, whoa, who the, who the hell is this guy? Because <laughs> um, he, he was in right. Truth, you know. He was in Truth, that film Truth, and he was playing an uh, American. So yeah. he obviously yeah, was yeah. showing off his American accent. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah he's just a very, he's a very method guy. Um, it was very very fun to work with someone that's so method because some of the younger cast, obviously me being young myself, you know, we would goof around and, you know, always try and make it the environment that was fun for them, even though it was very stressful behind the scenes. Um, we always goof around and sort of, you know, keep it light. But whenever I, you know, would go talk to him, he's very methodical, very um, method. So it was like very focused. Talk and, yeah, very focused. Was like, you know, so I made sure I changed my, you know, my, my, my take on every single actor to make sure that they were getting what they wanted out of the, out of the movie. Um, so and and people like Sophie Don, who plays um, the lead female Anya, again, great respect to Felix. So she would always be on set, like trying to, you know, learn from him. And I think at the respect level for all the actors were there. They knew that people like Felix were coming in to bring a bit of gravitas to the role, which is what I wanted to begin with. So everyone got on very well. It was really great. Yeah, yeah. Um, you tell, just to remind the listeners that we're on 3CR. This is uh, 3CR Community Radio. And uh, we're talking to... Uh, Luke Sparks. You've got a great name, Sparks. Is that your real name or did you change it by default? Yes, no. No, that's, that's, my, that's my real name. I've been asked that before. So no, it's my real name. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, and uh, we're talking about his film Red uh, uh, Red Billabong, which is out, and uh, is his first feature. Now, it's, as I said, it's a genre film. It's got an uh, uh, Australian mythical character in it. It's got a beast in it. Uh, and uh, you bring in Indigenous elements to this, and actually some of it's quite um, uh, comic, quite funny. Um, had, have you had any reactions from Indigenous viewers? Um, yeah, we had a group of... Uh uh, indigenous people that were some were involved in the movie and some just brought their friends and family to the Gold Coast premiere and uh, and then they walked out and they were just yeah they, they they loved it they kept shaking my hand they kept saying it was great and we wish we made more movies like this in Australia they're just sort of which is what my point in the whole first place was to bring sort of their culture into the forefront in a fun way in a fun movie so younger audiences might pick up on a few things and might want to continue researching that continue knowing about that rather than trying to have a you know, a dreary movie, you know, that goes on and on forever that younger people just aren't going to watch. Um, not that there's anything wrong with those movies, but I was just trying to do it in, in this way. And that, even though it's a fun, exciting adventure monster movie, uh, in the very start, I wanted, once I found out about all the different mythological tour, you know, legends and that throughout the Indigenous culture, I wanted to make sure that their culture was brought to the forefront. And that's why at the end of the movie, uh, our main character of the original sort of fights the... Yeah, without spoiling the movie, he fights the monster, and I was there from day one because I wanted to make sure that you know it's it's their legends, it's their land, it's their thing. So it's only fitting that he's the he's the superhero at the end. Yeah, the yeah, movie. he's the so, superhero. Yeah, he's the superhero. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. great. I love so, that too. I think that's yeah, great. So that was 
yeah. So so all the, all the people who've watched it up here the, at, at our group screening that we invited a whole a whole bunch of um you know of uh, indigenous Torres Strait Islanders and Aboriginals. Yeah, they all they all loved it, which was great to hear. Yeah, well, that is good to hear because I was wondering about that, and because uh, I mean, it's a certain, it's, there's a certain cartoonish element to it, but um, so that's why I wanted to know what their response was. The the other thing is that uh, before I let you go, is that because it is a monster movie, it's a big deal creating a monster. So how did that come mm. about? Uh, well, obviously there since day one uh, in the script and then uh, no I no but I mean sketch. the actual conceptualization happened. yeah 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 um I did the first sketch of the of what I thought it should look like uh and then I passed it on to our concept artist who came in from the visual effects company uh and they did about a hundred different versions um, oh really so walking in that day yeah walking that day was very you know, exciting to walk into a room with a hundred different versions on the wall so you know some were just like outlandishly you know, that crazy designs, um, and some were, you know, on the more of what I was wanting. Uh, so I walked through and they said, just, you know, pick anything you want, pick parts of him, pick fingernails, pick whatever. So I went through, I'm like, I like this guy's arms, I like this guy's legs, I like this guy's hand, I like this guy's, you know, back, whatever. And then they sort of combined all those into this sort of final concept drawing, and which I signed up on. And then we sent that to the actual CGI artist, and then they came back with two different versions. One was really like awesome but completely crazy from what I wanted and the other one was much more the way I wanted so I, I picked that one um and I just wanted I just the, the whole design process to them I said to them just I just wanted like a traditional looking sort of monster when you see a sort of the silhouette of this guy he cuts a very typical you know 1960s 70s you know sort of movie monster sort of thing with these big arms and little head and then the body and all that kind of stuff um, and that's something I wanted because the story also has different elements that need to be into the into the design. Um, yeah, so that's one of the traditional monster, and that's how we sort of yeah came up with the different ideas, and uh, I think it's turned out pretty well. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And it's very courageous of you. You're you're a very confident fellow because it takes a long time to get this done, and uh, I wish you well with your future career. I, I think this is uh, uh, co- congratulations, actually. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. You know, and, and to be sort of selected for the uh, this year's Australian Academy Awards uh, was obviously a good thing to wake up to. Um, I didn't make this movie to you know win awards. I made it just as a fun, as you said, basically half comic movie. Um, but for the technicians who worked on the film, like the sound guys, the sounds amazing, the the actors and the, the visual effects. I hope that uh, I hope as a genre film, I think we're in the actors. Awards, the Academy Awards, and I think also Rimwood, the zombie movie, and Scare Campaign, which is another sort of oh, yes, great. genre movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we're three, the three genre films in this year's awards, and it'd be great to see some of us get awards to help more genre films in Australia because it's great to offset some of the more serious films with some more fun films out of our own country. So yeah, yeah. I hope that, uh, you know, it continues to keep making. And that's the sort of movies I want to keep making. I'd love to do a sequel to this movie. I'd love to make some more action movies. That's what I'm working on now. So, yeah. Where where can people see it? I mean, I saw it at Ac- um, Acme, but that was at a yeah, preview. It's, but... look, it, yeah, it's 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 around. It's at some small cinemas in Melbourne at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, we had a, a weekend release last week through Hoyts in Melbourne. Oh uh, right, how'd that weekend. go? Uh, it, it it went well, and you know it went as well as it can be. We had the same sort of screen average that um that Matthew McConaughey's free. Free State of Jones did the Civil War movie that's out now with Matthew oh, yeah, well, right. we, we had we, we had the same screen average as that, 
Um, unfortunately, you know, as Australian film, big cinemas don't really advertise enough, um, and that's a whole different story that I'm still fighting right now. That the the, the, the cinema landscape and uh, the screen bodies out here need to help uh, Australian movies when they actually get to the cinemas. I think we sort of drop the ball a little bit and just be like, oh, we funded the movie, and there it goes. And then the cinemas <laughs> pick it up and go, well, this is this is an Australian movie, and when, you know we've got Suicide Squad stone, so why should we show your movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there needs to be a bit more of a discussion of helping Australian films actually get an audience once they're made, rather than maybe making spending too much money on making films that no one will ever see. <laughs> but that's a whole different... Uh, that's a whole, that's different a whole other so, story, Luke, and yeah, I might get back um, to you. It's a, it's, it's around. We're also we've also gone to fan force, um, and uh, that's a new way of releasing movies. And I think over last weekend that we put it on fan force, I think we had like one of the highest ever um, screening requests. I think we got like over a hundred screening requests. So I'm sure there'll be many more screens in Melbourne through fan force. If you go on our Facebook page, you can be able to see where they'll be showing that. So okay yeah. then. Thanks very much, Luke. Yeah, that's all right. Thank you for the call. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.